My name is Ben Beard, and I own Redcliffe Homes in Las Cruces, New Mexico. I'm searching for the top tips and tricks of the trade from experts in the construction industry. Welcome to the Ben Beard Show. Our guest today is Mo Hirsch with Mo's Cams, and I'll let you let him tell you what that stands for. Mo is located in New York, just north of New York City. Mo, welcome to the show today. Ben, nice to meet you. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for, for being here. You and I have kind of interacted online s- through social media and through a lot of the same uh, coaching mentor groups for a long time. So I'm glad to finally get a chance to talk to you, uh, at least virtually face-to-face. Yeah, definitely. Um, whenever we uh, get through those same those same uh, groups, uh, I always try to get with all the other construction guys on there to see you know how they're using the information uh, you know, early on when I was taught my career, I was just chasing the knowledge of the career. I was just yeah. chasing the, um, you know, the knowledge of velocities and pipes and all that other stuff. And then, uh, as time went on, I realized that you could know it all and it's not really going to help you. So then I started looking for the other information to which, uh, I guess you came into the same areas. Yeah. Yeah. The, how to run the business, how to make it profitable. Yes. That side. Mm-hmm. Right on. So tell me a little bit about your business and, and uh, remind me what CAMS stands for. Sure. So CAM stands for Consulting and Mechanical Services. So over time, we segued from a, a plumbing company to a plumbing and heating company. We included over a bunch of cooling also. And then uh, later, we became Cummins Power Generation reps. So in an effort to just encompass the entire thing, which uh, our website is turnupthecomfort.com, what we had was we decided to name the company CAMS, which is Consulting and Mechanical Services. So everything that going forward gets pulled under the same envelope as far as, you know, if we take on another niche in the business, uh, we shouldn't have to rename the entire business to reflect what we're actually doing on a day-to-day basis. Okay. Awesome. So how did you get into the industry and how did you go about getting your business started? Got into the industry because I was interested in cars. And most of the cars get raced on the weekend, and I'm a Sabbath observer. So being that I couldn't work on the weekends, I decided to follow. I had two cousins that were in the plumbing industry, and I decided to follow with them. So I got a job locally as an apprentice, just working with a one-man show company. Um, I think he was uh, redoing copper that summer in uh, some place that got robbed out. So we were converting, trying to figure out what was hot, what was cold, string up a bunch of pecs and crawl spaces and other bungalows. Um, That ran for a couple months. Then I segued into, then I segued into working with another guy uh, about four or five months later. That was, uh, I think that went on for a few years. Uh, He did a plumbing and heating business. So that was more service day to day. Uh, everything that you can imagine from installs to service, water heaters to emergencies, um, boilers. Um, And then um, after that, what happened was in around 2010, I realized that there was a, I was kind of plateauing. He had taught me, you know, how to set a toilet, how to, you know, do the basics. But the next thing that happened was I was plateauing and I said, I need a license. And we started working on getting a license. However, he couldn't help me further with that. So I said, if I'm not going to get a license, I may as well take it to the next level. Um, I, there's a guy, Dan Hollihan. I don't know if you've ever heard about him. Yeah. Uh, he's, he basically writes the equivalent of Dr. Seuss books 
for heating. So if anybody wants to understand <laughs> anything about uh, the steam and hot water style heat, Dan Hollihan is the go-to. His website is heatinghelp.com. And uh, back a couple, that was in around 2010 and 2008 time. So forums were very large. Uh, Facebook and that stuff was not as big. Uh, mm -hmm. So I was pretty much on forums and watching a little bit of YouTube, whatever was there on uh, the bad pixel cameras that everybody had. Yeah. So I got his information, and this wasn't 2010 before I'd left. And my first job that I left, I made almost no money on it, pretty important, probably broke even, was uh, changing out my grandparents' boiler system. So what happened was I'd read a lot, and I decided that, you know, I needed something to do. My grandfather said they can replace his boilers. I think material was like around 10 grand, 12 grand, and I think I charged him like 1500 bucks for the labor. Okay. Um, <laughs> I went ahead, swapped that out. And initially, my grandmother said that she had no change in the utility bills. And I was a little bummed by that, especially because everybody had told me that what I was about to do wasn't going to work, but the house was heating, so they were already 50% wrong. So about two months later, we realized that due to the snow, their the bills were actually estimated instead of actual, and the bills were substantially lower, and the house was substantially more comfortable. Wow. Um, that was my first little gig getting out of myself. I pretty much, because my com my cousin was in the industry, I showed up and I took all his spillover business. So okay. I would tow it along with him and he would drop me off places and say, do this, do that, and get this done, get that done. Between that and um, following the part of the business, not the business side of it, but trying to learn everything technical, I went to every single trade show, you know, slept in my car, left early. Um, wherever, whatever I could do to get as much information to meet as many people as possible. Um, and that's kind of how the business started. You know, people were looking for a good person. They were looking for somebody who picked up the phone. Mm. And uh, I met that criteria. I'm sure you know, not to hijack this and be a long runaway sentence, but um, you know uh, Jared Glant. Jared has yeah. a great saying that says, what got you here will not get you there. Mm -hmm. So what got me there was you know just being normal and the benchmark unfortunately is so low in the trades that you just have to be normal and you're already miles ahead people want to deal with you yeah yeah okay that's cool so at this point when you you went and got licensed and then started doing your own thing no so the interesting thing is i hold a jersey hvac license a lot of parts of I work in many counties. So some people are diversified. They travel. Some people are very heavily localized in an area and they don't travel at all. We do kind of both. We have very far clients up to a couple hours away. And we have some, most of our clients are within a arm's reach. So okay. what happens is in the local areas, some of those areas you need licenses, some of them don't. And then when we, when we deal with much farther areas, I can't go get a county license for, you know, some four and a half hours away in Pennsylvania. So what we do is when we do work out there, assuming it's something that has to be, you know, changed, permitted and all that, we just deal with a, a local contractor. We do carry all of our own insurances, our workman's comps, and we just, we're either, we deal with a local contractor or a lot of places over here, we don't have to be licensed. So New York, it's a oh, county really? by county license. And in the counties that don't need licenses, some of the cities within the counties, you need licenses. Oh my goodness. So, um, New Jersey, which is about 
15 minutes from my house because I, I sit right in the corner of New York, right? I'm about like 30 minutes from Pennsylvania, 40 minutes from Pennsylvania. I'm about 10, 15 minutes from New Jersey. Okay. So in New Jersey, I do have a full statewide license, which is crazy, where I can travel three hours all the way down to Philadelphia and do work under mm -hmm. one license. But over here, I can drive 20 minutes the other direction and I need a different license. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. I mean, my, my state, it's a licensed contractor for the state. There's no city or countywide things. Yeah. Over here, it's, um, I'm located in Rockland County. I am about 12 minutes from Orange County, uh, Orangeburg. That's like a little bit different. Um, um, a 25 minute drive from Westchester, which is like Westchester Medical School, Westchester Med, Chris and Crazy Hospitals out there. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's no way you can get a license there if you're under 50 years old because you have to be part of like the crew. Like they have to see you're in a certain age bracket and they have to like you and you have to know somebody. Really? Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy how they get, or you can just pay a lawyer a lot of money to fight for you. So in this area, uh, licensing is in between. It's uh, kind of friendly, but not friendly to everybody. It's like a boys club. Hmm. And um, over in the next county over, like Orange County, it's uh you don't need a license for anything other than electrical. Wow. Interesting. That's that's crazy to have such different I mean that's almost a full-time job right there just managing okay which jobs can we do where and Yeah, well the goal is that we take on the jobs and we deal with licensing afterwards. So if it's something that needs to be done, there's always somebody that has a license and unfortunately doesn't have the business that either needs uh somebody to, you know, take you know, either fund them as far as like getting them a license cover and they deal mm -hmm. with all the inspections. They deal with the uh, paperwork. Um, sometimes you actually take some of their employees with them uh, in all in different capacities. So you're kind of doing them a favor many times by using their license. Okay. So you just, you'll just take, you'll take whatever jobs you can get, wherever you can get them. And then you'll figure out how to get the license and, and you know, pay for somebody else's license or whatever you got to do. Yeah. To get the work done. Yeah. Wow. That's a unique challenge in in uh, your business to deal yeah. with. Yeah, a lot of extra administrative time. That's that's kind of cool though that you've got that network of all the other guys in your area that do the same thing as you, and you guys can kind of help each other out in different areas. Yeah, that's something that we pride ourselves in as a company. We'll deal with anybody within our business and without our business. Um, I know that I know very little about you, and I actually have a couple of questions that I wanted to ask you. Um, and I'm sure your listening base probably gets to hear more about your guests than you. So this may be a good chance for you to say more about you. Sure. Um, but one of the things that we deal with and we pride ourselves with is many people will only deal with builders or will only deal with certain types of businesses. We mm -hmm. pride ourselves. We are happy to work with other plumbing companies. We work with other heating companies, cooling companies, generator companies, other builders. We are happy to go into jobs that are not ours and just give them a little assistance and then on the other hand of it, we deal with homeowners that are building their own houses that we know could be a train wreck. Yeah. Um, we don't mind doing it. We know that there's a big risk in it and we know what we're going to ahead of time and we're willing usually to take that in. And what that allows us to do is get a lot of different jobs that are, have a lot less competition on them where um, they're, let's say, a higher-end job and people can't keep up with the covering the floors and the picking up the phones. And I'll give you a stupid example that hits a couple of those checkboxes. We have a customer that built his own house. He's in the mm -hmm. real estate business. He's about 30 years old. 
He has construction background, but never did it all at once. We took on the, uh, made him a deal that if he gives us the plumbing, the heating, and the cooling contract at the house, we'll actually be his free owner's rep. We became his owner's okay. rep. And as far as last night, I mean, we, t- we held his hand for everything, you know, drain locations, um, master bathroom has a digital shower uh, from Kohler. So mm-hmm. we put that, made sure to put that, most people do put that into the, uh, into the master closet. What we actually did is we put that in the laundry room. So nobody should ever have to come into his bedroom and deal with any plumbing in there. So we figured everything out for him with him. You know, obviously we had to, okay, make sure that it was fit his lifestyle and what he actually wanted. Uh, but last night I was over at his house. I got home at around 1130 at night. So after the day ends, that's when I kind of do my rounds, my little customer service rounds. Yeah. Extra credit. So I went out and you build houses, so I'm sure you know that you have to, in some capacity, condition the homes. I don't know what the weather is out by you all the time, but over here, it's it's right now about like 85% humidity constantly. Wow. So his house, due to the dew point temperature, his basement being rather cold, his basement was, well, the walls were sweating, and I have a video that I'm going to post up on Instagram. Uh, he has dots along the bottom of his walls, and he's freaking out. And the first thing that went through my mind is maybe he has water seepage from the outside, but he doesn't. He went through that. He's like, it hasn't rained the next amount of time. I have my gutters on. He said, in w- the water, you know, hasn't been pooling up in anywhere. So we realized that it probably is the dehumidification. I had I had him purchase about two weeks ago a bunch of uh, residential dehumidifiers off Amazon. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, a pint is a pint, and as long as we're not going outside of like normal design conditions, we're in a situation where the temperature is like 75 degrees. It's actually like closer to like 85, 90 in that house. Um, and the humidity is super high. He's going to get the dehumidification he needs out of the unit. So we set up three 50-pint dehumidifiers in the basement. And we put another one on the second floor in the bathroom. I actually put it into a bathtub because in case it leaks, I don't want it to leak down two floors. Yeah. And within about 10 minutes, we had a couple inches of water in the bucket. So wow. that's something that we're willing to do. We go out of the way to deal with homeowners, walk them through their little problems, um, you know, do a lot of the odd stuff because we know that the other people at come 11 o'clock at night, they, ha- they close their phone. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. So that's kind of where your consulting comes in because you'll go out and work with the homeowners on these kind of unique problems that other, other plumbers or or. HVAC techs are going to say, yeah, that's not my issue. Yeah, we basically have a line that's, it's, there's no such thing as a bad appliance, uh, bad appliance, just misapplied and poorly installed. So there's nothing really like a, a bad boiler or a bad, you know, heater or a bad AC. It's just in the wrong spot at the wrong time. So we asked the customers, like, how are you going to use this house? What do you need out of it? Do you need redundancy? Are you looking for efficiency? Are you looking to have the hottest looking boiler room or mechanical system? Like, what are you looking for? Um, yeah. are you looking, you know, there's, there, a grant says that there's a, there's something called apes, there's appearance, there's performance. I'm trying to think, um, there's security, uh, and then there's efficiency, APES. So yeah. what everybody buys for a certain reason, why are they buying their equipment? I take that, that I take that into consideration, fact mm-hmm. find a little bit, and then we apply it to what they need. So that's where the say, say those is. one more time. Appearance. It's the apes. Appearance, performance, performance, efficiency, efficiency and security. Uh, security. So, say you're buying a car. 
what which one does it hit the, you know sometimes it hits multiples of those you know people looking for a certain car you know based off of its reliability a certain amount of efficiency maybe they don't care about the efficiency uh mm-hmm. so people do that with their you know hvac equipment too with their water heaters um performance on a water heater would be you know huge jacuzzi being able to fill it up yep. nobody wants to be halfway through the jacuzzi and then it goes cold um some people want efficiency you know they want a certain amount of green whether it's upfront green or the cost of ownership green mm-hmm. um and then if some people want security they want redundancy you know they want twos they want doubles uh they don't they want to know that if their system goes down they can go from one bedroom to the next and they're cool they don't want to know that they're sitting down you know july 4th weekend or I'll tell you this. I have a rule that the farther it's not a rule, but it's it's an unfortunate thing that always happens. The farther the job is, the more issues we have, and it's like a Murphy's law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had one. Did you ever hear of a guy? He's uh, on YouTube, Jimmy DeResta. No. Okay, he's got over a million subscribers. A very gifted individual as far as making stuff. There's a world called Makers, and what Makers are is they basically fabricate stuff, and they can fabricate <laughs> anything along many different lines. Um, and they're very gifted. Now, they don't understand, let's say, plumbing or everything about forging, let's say, metal, but they know a lot about metal, and they know a lot about boilers, and they know a lot about everything. Yeah. And they use the information to build stuff. So um, I had the chance to work with Jimmy. I He has a barn. It's called a black barn, I think he calls it. It's got black, uh, what's that siding called? Uh, the new stuff that everybody's using? Like uh, long siding. Um, comes in... It's it's not more than one piece at a time. It's hardy board, I think. Uh huh. Yeah. So he so he used he did a, a barn. Uh, it's got um it's a pole barn, so it's uh beams every eight feet, mm-hmm. and he has um it's a zip all zip throughout. It's got a on slab radiant that somebody else put the radiant in, and then one day he called me up. I had spoken to him for a while, and he said, "Hey, do you want to put a boiler in?" And I said, "Absolutely." So we set it up as a fully redundant setup, uh, but we only put in 50% of the system. We put in the, the boiler, we put in, set it up that if he had a problem, he can hook it up to a portable generator, but he never went ahead and installed the part of the system, which was the heat pump, like the electric side. Mm-hmm. And the goal was that if he ever ran out of propane, he can run the electric. And if he ever ran out of a power outage, he wouldn't have to have a big generator to power that electric unit. He'd just have a little unit that ran off the propane. Um, well, I finished Jimmy's install about probably like December 20th, uh, uh, two years ago, a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And it was right by New Year's and Christmas that the system went down and it turned, we, we at first of course thought it was the propane because he used one vendor for propane another vendor purchased the tank from smelled funny. And it turned out that it wasn't, uh, turned out that the control board was bad. So that's a classic example of redundancy. Now, he yeah. didn't need a redundancy here, but I couldn't imagine uh, over Christmas and New Year's, he went with, the place was so cold that if you spilled water on the floor while you're working, it just froze. Wow. So um, it was, everything was ice, everything was snow, your fingers were frostbit. At a certain point, we just turned on the trucks, just didn't turn them off because we needed a spot to go and warm up. Yeah. Um, so... That's where the redundancy comes in. You know, everybody buys things for different reasons. Uh, if you have a house and you're Airbnb, the last thing you want is, you know, lose all your Airbnb money because you had a major problem. So it's nice to have redundancy of some yeah. sort of thing. Um, 
then again, I could think about your case, and I would like to ask you a couple of questions. But um, the uh, you know when you're building, sometimes redundancy is not something you're going to go for because it just raises the cost of building the house substantially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in my case, we're we're more of a first time, second time home buyer um, niche, and so okay. you know we're we're not trying to build in a lot of redundancies. We're doing everything we can to keep our homes as affordable as possible, rather than. Well, yeah, adding in some of those additional performance or um, or security features. Now, when you guys build houses, are you guys uh, building it, and the customer comes and like chooses their paint color at the end, or are the customer? At what point does the customer come in? Are they coming in before you frame, or are they coming in like turnkey? Because I know there's two types. Yeah, so we're kind of uh, more of the they come in towards the end. Generally, I would say ninety percent of my homes are sold after they've started and after all the color selections have made nice um so it's it's a little bit less for the buyer to choose it's more just which area do you like which house do you like but we also sell some where it's hey pick you know pick your subdivision pick your lot and then pick your floor plan and then you can pick your colors and all that makes sense uh did you start this or is this like a family business mine uh we're our business is about four years old now Sweet. Coming up on four, our four-year anniversary from the first lots we purchased. Now, the lots that you purchase, are they in one specific area, like everything together? Or are you purchasing, like, uh, finding a property, putting one house on it, and then all over the place? No, we try and we try and buy, uh, for example, we've got two new subdivisions. One's 36 lots in one subdivision. One's 27 lots in another subdivision. Okay, that's nice. So you got economies of scale over there. Yeah. Yeah. And you build them all at once? And then we'll we'll spread them out. We do as many as we can, as many as our financing will allow us to do at the same time. So we're right now, right now I think we've got 25 or so, 26, 27 active projects across across multiple subdivisions. Got it. And are you in New Mexico or Arizona? I'm in southern New Mexico. Southern yep. New Mexico. Yep, okay. so I'm 45 minutes north of El Paso, Texas. Nice. So. All right, cool. I actually uh, put you in touch with somebody. I, uh, a former employee of mine, of mine works. Uh, she lives now in El Paso, Texas. Her husband's in the military, and she's okay. a real estate broker. Oh, okay. Awesome. So she may be able to help you out. Yeah, that'd be great. We're looking to get into that market soon. So Nice. Now, do you guys, uh, all the houses are for sale, or do you guys do any like building and renting? We are getting a little bit more into the build for rent, um, not necessarily for ourselves, although I'd love to be able to do that at some point. Uh, we've sold a lot of homes in the last 18 months to real estate investors. And so we're looking to go that route to, to kind of serve that, uh, that build to rent market. That's kind of a growing trend in the industry right now. Uh, build, you know, whether it's a local investor that wants to buy two or three homes at a time or a larger group that wants to come in and do 20 or 30 homes at a time. Nice. Now, how did you get into this four years ago? What were you doing before that that you know went from whatever you did to building a lot at once? Because most people get in, they, if they are builders, especially four years in, they're usually building one or two. They're scared to do 20 to 30. Yeah. So we started um, definitely with a production mindset. Um, I worked for another production home builder in my area for a while. Um, worked with them right after I, I graduated college with a degree in construction management. And so I, w- I worked with them for a year and a half as a superintendent and then moved into the office, took over their estimating and purchasing department and ran that for about three years. 
and it was time to do something different. And I um, looked around the country, turned down several different job offers in different places and decided we needed to stay here. And we found the right opportunity to uh, partner with some land sellers and, and build out some lots that had, they had been sitting on for a long time and uh, got started with some pretty good volume. We were able to start 12 houses on our first go. And, uh, and that was great because it gave us some economies of scale and, and I was able to leverage a lot of relationships to get pretty good pricing right up front. And then we've just kind of tried to continue to grow and scale from there. Sweet. Now, as far as like uh, the construction part goes, do you guys sub everything out or do you guys run your own crews? How does that work? Yeah, so we sub everything out. We, um, we don't have any in-house labor. Uh, warranties all, and punch lists is all taken care of by our subcontractors and suppliers. Nice. Uh, how do you go about, uh, you know, vetting or choosing like what make what to you is a good subcontractor? What makes that? Yeah, um, a, a good subcontractor is a somebody that's reliable. That's gonna show up when they say that they'll be there. Uh, it's gonna tell me the truth, not what they think I want to hear. Um, and somebody that does does good work at a at a fair price. You know, as a production home builder, there's always the tendency to say, hey, I want the cheapest price. Um, And we've learned the hard way, you know, with roof leaks and and other issues that it's not worth the cheapest price. Let's pay a fair price, but let's make sure it's a competitive fair price. You know, 100%, especially when you're dealing with uh, economies of scale, you definitely want to get, you know, if you save, uh, make not five bucks, but if you save a certain amount of money per house, you're saving times 20, not times one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if I can save five bucks a house times twenty houses, that's a hundred bucks. Right. Do that. Do that over and over and over. It makes a big difference. Yes. Okay. Sweet. Now, um, so you you get into the business. You're four years in. You tried it at the beginning uh, by getting that subdivision. Now, how what makes you know? How do you find a good area? Because I'm sure that you don't want to be too far off the beaten path, but you want to be close, but close stuff are usually taken. Yeah. Um, there, our area has in, in, in my city, there's kind of one major growth area right now. There were two before now it's kind of one. And in fact, the, the largest developer in that growth area went and bought out the, uh, the other developer. So there's really one developer that's doing the two bigger parts of uh, expanding parts of town. Um, my, challenge from the beginning was lack of financing, lack of capital. Um, and so I had to get creative and I had to go off the beaten path. There was one of the subdivisions I started in had, uh, it was on the opposite side of town from all the growth and development. And, but that was the guy, the guy that I, w- I wanted to build in a certain area. Um, uh, was actually the neighborhood I lived in at the time. He said, if you're going to do homes here, I want you to also buy my land and build homes for me over there. And I was like, well, I don't know that homes over there are going to sell, but okay, if that's what I have to do, I'll try it. And the nice thing was he, if he needed to, he could have taken them back as, as rentals and he'd have just paid me a builder fee. Um, so I would at least turn his land that he's paying money out on into rental homes for him. Um, basically at cost to him, which would have been nice for him. But uh, it gave me a little bit of security. It gave him some security as far as, you know, if the homes didn't sell for some reason. But uh, I found that building kind of off the beaten path was, was great because it meant no, no competition. 
um, it meant we were the only game in town and uh, it offered the customer something, a, a different option than they had had before. And so we were able to provide homes for a lot of people. We're on the south end of town, which is closer to El Paso, Texas, which is a major employer here. And so, and people that are, have lived down kind of in the South Valley or, or on the west side of town for a long time, there just hasn't been a whole lot of development on those parts of town for a long time. So all the development's kind of going north and east. And so to be able to come in and do a subdivision on the south side of town was, was great for a lot of people. Well, did you run into any challenges uh, as far as uh, school districts or any of that, being that it was away from where people would normally habitat and stayed? You know, actually, we were very blessed because this this development, uh, which we finished out in about a, a 24 months or so, we finished building our last homes over there, and now we're getting ready to start the second phase of, uh, we're actually a brand new subdivision adjacent to that previous subdivision. We're doing the first phase of that that should be ready for me to start building homes within the next month, um, and it's in a great school district, so we're, a, we're very blessed that way. It's a nice. very desirable area. Cool. So about about these homes that you're building, um, just curious. You know, I'm curious. I'm sure many listeners are curious too. Like, what are these? You know, what do these homes look like? Um, you know, shape, size. You know, how many bedrooms? Basement, no basement. What type of mechanicals? You know, yeah. what does the customer get? Especially being, you know, you said first time home buyers. Uh, what are you offering them? That type of stuff. Yeah. So we're. Um we're, I, I call it HG, HGTV style. That's where okay. we got our style choices. You know, we just watched a fair amount of fix and flip. And uh, I actually know. did one of the shows for them once. Oh, really? Yeah. Not, not to take you off track. It. It, it's, it's nothing like it appears on TV. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But, you know, Ch- Chip and Joanna and their style and stuff. And, and we don't do all, you know, we don't do shiplap or s- stuff like that. But a lot of the whites and grays and okay. the kind of new- neutral color tones is what stood out to us and appealed to us. We're not originally from this area. And a lot of the builders in this area are typically uh, building a very heavy southwest look and feel, which is great because there's a lot of people coming from all over the country that that's exactly what they want. Right. But that's not what appealed to us. We feel like there's enough brown outside the house. I want to come inside and see cool colors, not these same warm colors that I see outside all the time. And so we, we kind of switched it up and did it a little bit more fresh. Uh, I, don't, I, would, I would call it contemporary, not modern. We're not like an ultra modern, you know. I, I don't want it to look like a New York Soho loft right. uh, because that's not where we're at. It needs to kind of fit in with the surroundings, but still provide kind of a nice, cool, refreshing atmosphere inside. And so that's kind of our look and style. Our homes are typically in the 14 to 2,200 square foot size, three, four bedrooms, two, two and a half, three, ba- uh, three baths. Uh, we've been, been blessed to have a lot of lots so we could do three car garages instead of just a two car attached garage. Nice. And that third car garage has been a, has been a big uh, seller for us. Um, our homes, we try and do it a little bit more of a custom feel, even though you're not buying a custom home. Uh, we, we minimize the amount of customization that we do. Um, customization for me might be, you know, add a little, uh, we call it a nicho in this area, but a little, uh, indent into a wall for, 
you know, a soap holder in a shower yeah. or, or, or in a hallway just to provide like a little accent in the wall. Uh, something like that for me is custom option. I don't have a drafter on staff at this point. And so anything that we can do without changing our floor plans will, will allow the customer to do if they come in and buy early enough in the process. Got it. Uh, but we design our plans with a lot of flexible options. If you want an extended patio and outdoor living space, if you want to change the open bonus room into a closed bedroom or an office, uh, you know, we've built a lot of flexibility into our floor plans. Uh, but that's, that's it. And then we do, generally speaking, now in our true entry level stuff, it's, it's a lot more simple. Nine foot ceilings, six, eight doors, you know, laminate countertops. But the majority of our homes, it's are really, uh, we, we do get some first time home buyers, but a lot of them are uh, kind of second time home buyers, uh, first time move up type buyers. And so we try and make those homes a little bit nicer and, and um, kind of give it a custom feel without doing a full custom uh, oh. custom selection process. So we do 10 foot ceilings with eight foot doors uh, throughout the home so that you've got the, that higher volume ceiling. Granite countertops uh, will include a lot of the things that other builders make upgrades. So your blinds, your garage door openers, your um, pendant lights in the kitchen, a lot of those things that are that are normally upgrades we do as standards. Cool. So, yeah, all, all of our homes can be seen on, on redcliffhomes.com or check us out on Facebook, Instagram. We're always posting pictures of yeah, our homes. Yeah, I follow you. I just... Work. Uh, I just saw you doing something with your flip flops today. I don't remember exactly what. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, Facebook and now Instagram is so fast. There's so much information in such a short amount of time that I picked that up. Like, usually we just like, you look at the homes, you look at the construction, you see the framing, you just on to the next slide. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It is, it is very quick. It's kind of a crazy world. I just did a story the other day on saying, what in the world is up with stories? Why are we doing stories instead of just posts? This is so much more complicated than it needs to be, I feel like. But, I, you know, that story got way more views than or engagement than any of my posts ever do. So apparently they work. Yeah, listen, I remembered it. <laughs> so, so, yeah, no, that's sweet. So now, so, um, go ahead. Uh, you started your business in about 2010? Uh, yeah, well, that that's when I went out on my own. That's when I started experimenting and, uh, you know, riding around on the road and finding my own. Uh, go, went from working for a company to creating our own income. Okay. So what is, uh, what does your business look like today? How many employees do you have? How many? So every, every business goes through reiterations. Yeah. Uh, we, the largest we were, were seven okay. and, uh, we've, uh, downsized through for a couple of reasons. And, um, we basically were following Brandon Dawson's, uh, promote profit process people. And we're basically taking it from the ground up to see, you know, to take out the slop out of it, to make sure we don't have anybody around that's just, you know, riding to the system. Yeah. So what we're doing right now is we're promoting to people what we do, why we do, how we do, all that. And then we're creating the process of what works. Um, obviously, we're profiting first, then we're prof documenting the process, and then we're implementing, uh, you know, different, different parts of the business of, you know, everything. And I've been documenting that for years of, how to, you know, how to greet a customer, you know, how to protect the customer's home and implementing that into a process of, you know, if we do go on a construction site and we are pulling the truck on there, we do a walk by to make sure that there's no piece of rebar that's going to end up in the tire and then disturb us the next day. Um, 
we make sure for the process part uh, that, you know, come November over here, November 15th, and I don't care how sunny or how cloudy it is, the winter tires get put on the vehicle because otherwise we're bound to have a three foot snowfall in a two day period and then not be able to move the vehicles. And now we're, you know, we're rummaging, we're rushing, we're canceling appointments. So I pretty much, uh, like my main manager, Mutti says, I've, I've taken two steps backward to go two steps forward or what, whatever that line is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's just, I, re- I remember, uh, chatting with you on, uh, on, I think it was Instagram a while back and you kind of said you were pulling back and, and trying to tweak some things before you move forward. So that's, I yeah. think that's sound advice and, and, uh, we're kind of in that same, uh, same pattern right now, though it wasn't necessarily intentional, but it's where we ended up. And so right now it's, we don't have more lots, as many lots as we would like to have to be able to start as many homes as we wanted to do this year. So it's like, Hey, let's just take advantage of this. It, it feels like such a negative, but let's just take advantage of it, turn it into a positive and focus really on documenting our processes and getting our systems cleaned up and improving our service and making sure that that's, uh, that we're doing what we say that we do. Yeah. Something I'll tell you that I found over time. Um, I think I'm doing this around 14 years now. So it's 2021, 2020, I went on my own and I worked before then as an apprentice. And the only way for me to know exactly when I started would be to call up my first boss and ask him how old his kid is and just like add a happy year to that. <laughs> so, um, what I, what I kind of figured is that there's so many times where there's a, people take a, a mind of their own in this business. Um, and if you let everybody run the business for you, then you'll get a bunch of different answers. And what was crazy, I was in an architect's home giving him some opinions. And one of my guys comes in and he says, well, windows are everything. And I took a look at him and I'm like, uh, what do you mean? And the architect took a look at me and he says, Mo just told me yesterday that the difference between um, like triple glaze and double glaze is not that much. And I tried to explain, windows are windows is U values and R values. And if you take a look at the life cycle cost of the window and what it's giving you over the cost uh you know you it's still a window it's still glass it's not like going from like r19 to r30 it's there's u values and they're minimal and there are other things to do with windows to keep it more insulated sometimes tints or Mm -hmm. or glazing or shutters or shades or overhangs and you have to take that into consideration before you just take into consideration the product so that's just a great example of having you know people that are what brandon would call reckless doers where they just come there and they just have their opinion so what we go now is i've tried to have two types of apprentices i've picked up people that knew nothing about hammers and try to teach them Mm -hmm. and then i've had people that thought that they knew everything only to realize they really didn't know much because they didn't understand basic fundamentals which i'll just use two words superheat and subcooling in hvac they're like, oh, we don't do that only on the important job. I'm like, okay, so you only take blood pressure on important stuff, and the rest of the time you just like just give guy an eyeball luck. So um, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything, and yeah. you don't have to be exact across the board. You don't have to. I don't make my bed in the morning, and on many days I just pull on the same jeans as I wore the day before, and <laughs> my truck doesn't necessarily always look the way I would like it to look as far as the cleanliness in the back. You know, things are in boxes that haven't been put back on the shelf. I do know where everything is. But when I'm at a customer's job, I know, you know, there's no just rigging it up. There's no like, okay, this is going to be good enough. And I didn't want that for my employees. So I took that step back and I figured that so far our 
perfect employee would be somebody that is knows what a hammer is, knows what a drill is, but doesn't know it all yet or doesn't think they know it all. Yeah. Um, they're willing to be a little open. They're looking to learn and work with the company. And something ironic, and maybe you'll come back to me in a half year, maybe you'll tell me now, or maybe you come back to me in 12 years and you'll tell me if this is correct. I found there's a, I call it the six-month phenomenon. I find with apprentices, and this has happened countless times with a lot of the guys working there. I've had all different types of demographics. I've had kids out of college. I've had older people fighting for bread and milk. Um, I've had all different types of people as far as ethnicities. I've had people out of the Marines work for me. And every like when something failed, people would always come back. I'd try to say, like, why did this fail? And somebody came up with this idea of what that Marine was used to being told what to do, couldn't figure out things by himself. Like, I'm not sure if that is or isn't true. Um, you know, this other guy was straight up lying to me where he lived and he would I would pick him up in the next place. He didn't even have a license. Um, so yeah. That was that was pretty crazy, and then I realized from there, like if you have your paperwork in order, you'll figure that stuff out. Um, so I don't. I kind of segued off. I don't remember where. Oh, six month phenomenon. So I have this idea that at six months, it's not as it, not as exciting for people to come hang out with you anymore and learn. They kind of feel like they plateaued. Yeah. Those things that you told them that you're gonna do, say you're gonna upgrade this, you're gonna get a different office, or you're gonna do the other things that are really not your top priority because you're run, running a business. But it, to them, it's like it's everything. Like, oh, you told me you're gonna get this, you told me you're gonna get that, and I would explain to them, you really don't even know how to use the tools. So, like, why do you need more tools on the truck? Why don't you use like you don't just do some push-ups where you're at? You don't need the gym equipment. You don't need the treadmill. Yeah. Um, so at six months, they get bored. And our next challenge is to try to see how to take people from six months and retain them for the long term. Yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Makes all the sense in the world. Well, um, I, I want to ask you a few rapid fire questions here. Sure. And then I got a rapid fire question for you. All right. So what do you see? How do you see the construction industry changing over the next 10 to 15 years? I see it. Um, anybody who's blue collar, anybody's pre creating a trade, hmm. something where people can live. Uh, I pretty much foresee that it's going to be an, it, it, the price is just going to trump everything. You'll pay more for your construction guy than you will pay for your lawyer. Okay. Something that cannot be outsourced. It's hmm. somebody has got to hit that hammer. Yeah. You can prefabricate, you can whatever. Uh, the concrete has to dry. The truck has to be driven. I don't think, I think that, technology will allow it to change i think yeah. that it can change drastically but i feel that the the value to the to the blue collar has only gone up not down yeah yeah what is the best advice that you've ever received professionally uh i wouldn't say that i received it it's something that i realized and that is focus 50 percent on the trade and focus 50 percent on the the form of business like understanding the business, understanding everything about the selling, the retaining, the scaling. Uh, understand all of that because without that, you can be, you know, you can know everything, but you won't be able to sell anybody because they'll find somebody cheaper because you weren't able to solve their problem. Uh, yeah. You wouldn't know how to do the customer service or you didn't know how to retain your, you see, I'm, I'm learning how to retain people past six months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's great advice. 
Well, I'll let, I'll let you jump in with your rapid fire questions. So my, my biggest question that I ask most people uh, is how do you blend your family and your business? I know that you're young. I know that you have younger kids. I have younger kids myself. And I was curious uh, how you do it. You know, what, what are your things that, you know, you can work hard and then still allow your kids to hang out with you or whatever you do? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a balance, right? It's a, it's very tricky. Um, I wish there was a good answer yesterday with my daughter's, uh, sixth birthday and we're sitting, I sat next to her at dinner and she said, daddy, can you come with me to gymnastics to come watch me? And I had to say, I'm sorry, sweetie. I can't. Um, if you want me to be able to be here and do a pinata with you tonight and party with you after gymnastics, I've got to get some work done during gymnastics. And that's, you know, never a fun conversation to have, but it was just focus on what we, what we do get, uh, you know, focus on the time that we will have and, and try and maximize that. I'm working on my wife will tell you, I'm still not perfect at, but I'm working on keeping, you know, my phone in the office or in the bedroom and not, bringing it out with me when I'm sitting on the couch or in the family room with the kids or with her, um, trying to just the, the family time I have is family time. And then we've, we've kind of gone through and set up a schedule for the week so that, you know, certain nights I'm out with the family for dinner and hanging out for a couple hours. And then I'm going back to the office or, um, other nights I'm, I'm just going to work till a certain time and, and then cut off and just go be with the family you know, uh, Sundays I'm, I'm only with family. Don't do any work on Sundays. Um, Got it. Saturdays is kind of a mix. So sweet. That's, that's how we do that. Very valid. I can definitely echo that on a couple notes. Uh, definitely when I'm with the kids, I'm with the kids. Uh, I personally, I go to the office every morning by eight, eight, 15 in the morning. I come back, drive my kids to school. Uh, they're late. They, they're, they were late over, over 52 times this year. And when I saw that on the report card, my wife's like, look at that. They were like 52 times. I said, that's it. So <laughs> I couldn't remember even being on time more than a handful. And uh, that actually netted us some uh, business because I got so much interaction with the school security that I actually replaced one of their air conditioners this summer. Nice. So uh, I kind of, kind of try to make a, a lot of it, you know, have the most amount of fun when I'm with them. Yeah. And, uh, when I'm not with them, do the most amount of work. And uh, like you said, gymnastics and that pinatas and stuff. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I try not to get too involved with being a carpool during the day. So I could be there on the weekends, like you mentioned. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, Mo, if you could go back to your first day on the job site, what advice would you give yourself? So I will warn you that I have 1% battery left on my laptop. Okay. Um, uh, I would say, uh, that the, the, probably the smartest things that I would consider for anybody in the tradesman is not to neglect their health. You need six to eight hours minimum working with your hands. I don't care what Superman you are. I would ex eat extremely well, which is what I do. Always drinking water, always taking care of your energy unit, your body. Um, it's really sleep. Don't neglect the food. You put the best fuel in your body. Uh, don't neglect exercise, do it, um, and always be learning. So if you do have to make a transition in your trade or out of the trades, you know, your whatever you put in mentally into your head and your physical, you don't want to be that guy 
that you see at the supply house or like busted up nails and all that other stuff later on in life. You know, you want to be, you want to be uh, somebody that you don't look worn out. You want to be healthy. You want to be happy. And uh, yeah. you just want to, you want to be around for many years. Yeah, for sure. That's great advice. Love it. Well, Mo, how can people get a hold of you and see what you you guys are doing? Best is to email our office at info at turnupthecomfort.com. They can find us on Instagram. It's under Mo's PNH. It's M-O-E-S-P-N-H. Uh, Facebook is Mo Hirsch, or you can find us at Mo Hirsch Fan. Uh, info at turnupthecomfort.com is our website and probably the best place that people can just be like a one source for information. And uh, pretty much that's it. We're always available in our office. You just email us and we get back to everybody as quick as possible. Awesome. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Mo. Appreciate it. Ben, I appreciate this time today. It's been a quick hour. And yeah. if anything I could do for you or any of your listeners, don't hesitate to reach out. You have my phone number. You have my cell phone number. I'm available seven days. Just leave a voicemail if I don't pick up and I'll get back to you. Perfect. Thanks, Mo. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks for listening. I hope that you've learned something from our guest today. The Ben Beard Show is sponsored by Redcliffe Homes. The purpose of this podcast is to help young professionals find mentors in this crazy construction industry that we're in. If you have a story to tell about your road to a successful career in construction, I'd love to hear it. Please like and subscribe to the podcast to hear from all of our amazing guests. Join us on Facebook and Instagram at The Ben Beard Show.